0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, Enlightened Investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and thank you, Enlightened Investors, for being a part of our show today. And I am super excited to engage in a discussion about marketing a topic critical to the development of any entrepreneurial endeavor. Specifically, we'll explore how to use hyperlocal marketing to find our next deal. After three Silicon Valley startups, Sean O'Toole purchased and flipped more than 150 properties prior to the bubble. Combining those experiences, Sean launched foreclosure radar in 2007, just ahead of the foreclosure crisis, and later expanded with the launch of property radar in 2013. So Sean, tell us about a, for me, uh, a memorable experience.
1: Well, thanks for having me. A memorable or a formative experience. Uh, I've got a few, but I'll, uh, I'm going to go with after founding my first uh, software company, I got talked into buying a real estate magazine in the Hawaiian Islands in the late 80s. And it was right before the crisis in Japan. And here I bought this, you know, really, it was a great Great magazine in a great location. Homes and land magazines were super popular throughout the U.S. And, you know, it really looked like uh, quite a good business. With the crisis in Japan, that was the primary buyer of real estate in Hawaii. And that had really pushed prices up in the rest. And the housing market in Hawaii collapsed, you know, shortly after I bought this magazine. And it, it ended up being, you know, two really hard years of you know, trying to sell ads to realtors who were all struggling and trying to collect money for those ads and, and the rest. And uh, that really made me a student of economics, a student of marketing, and really uh, taught me to pay attention to what was going on in the world around me because sometimes you can do everything right and uh, still run into real real issues.
0: Yeah, those externalities that we have no control over can torpedo us if we're – I mean, even if we're aware, sometimes that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, I because we just can't control those things. Well, let's talk about marketing here and uh, particularly tell us what you're talking about when you're talking about hyper-local marketing.
1: Yeah. So when I left tech and started flipping properties, I discovered public records. I didn't really know much about them before that and really dove into them to look for opportunities originally around distress and foreclosures, right? So people that had some sort of issue going on seemed like they'd be more likely to sell and need help in selling and not be able to sell through a realtor or normal channels. And so it was, you know, foreclosures or other forms of, you know, liens, judgments, other forms of a distress. I found public records to be this amazing resource and uh, that worked quite well for me. And then as I dove into that more, I realized, wow, there's just a treasure trove of, of information here. You can know a lot about every property owner in the United States, you know, how much equity they have, uh, how often they refinance, how you know the characteristics of the home they live in and then public records also include things like you know marriage and divorce and lots of other information that all together just led me to this idea of of hyperlocal marketing using data right to find your best potential audience and then reach out to them directly and that's really how i define hyperlocal marketing it's it's targeted And it's direct. Now, I hope that it's also friendly and neighborly, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to feel targeted. So there's there's some things you have to be a little careful with, with hyper-local marketing.
0: Well, I would suppose that would be the case with uh, just about anything. Well, talk to us a little bit about how you do that uh, hyper-local marketing without making your potential sellers, buyers feel targeted.
1: Yeah, so you know what you want to do as a business, right? Is you want to spend your ad dollars, you know, as productively as possible, right? And so the degree you can have conversations with the right people, that's very beneficial to your business. So I'll just give you an example. I'll use foreclosures because that's a an obvious distressed use case. Most most people I know. If I knock on your door, you're in foreclosure. I know you're in foreclosure, right? If I knock on your door and I say you're in foreclosure, right? You've got a problem. You need to sell your house to me. That doesn't feel very good to you, Mm -hmm. right? Like you feel targeted, you feel, you know, called out, you feel exposed, you know, it doesn't feel good at all. But I can use that same information to knock on your door. And if instead I say, Hi, I'm Joe Investor, whatever, and we've seen that foreclosures are increasing in your neighborhood, right? I haven't said anything about them. And I want you not to be worried. This isn't like 2008, right? I'm I'm using today, and we don't expect there to be another crisis. We don't expect it to, you know, impact your house value. And I just, you know, I'm just out knocking on doors, spreading the word, calling, you know, whatever it is, spreading the word that you know this isn't something to worry about. But it's still very traumatic for the people. Now you're showing empathy, right? Still very traumatic for the people that find themselves in this situation. And there are definitely people in this situation and they shouldn't feel alone. Again, showing empathy, showing understanding, right? And if you happen to know anybody in that situation, you know, I'm an expert in this this field, right? I can help people in this situation. Whatever your pitch is, then you can make your pitch, but you're not making your pitch to them. You're making their pitch, to, you are, but you didn't make them feel targeted in doing it, right? You were letting them know you're a resource available to the community and what you do and what you offer. So you're not gonna get anybody mad at you, you know, mm-hmm. for doing that. You may yeah. still have picked them that way because you wanna be efficient with your time, but you showed empathy, caring, understanding. Another thing I like to say in marketing that a lot of people don't get Especially small businesses, right? Most small businesses do eye marketing, right? I do this, I do Mm -hmm. that, I'm the best, I'm good, you know, I'm the only one who can solve your problem, I'm the only one who can do it, right? It's all eye marketing. And I like to say that you've got to give to get, right? So if instead you're offering something, you're offering information about the market, about, you know, you're a roofer and you're offering information about, the cost the various costs uh, associated with replacing a roof that's going to be interesting to that person helpful to that person because it may be a question they have right and in that you demonstrate expertise and by demonstrating expertise right you become a trusted source and then you're more likely actually to get that person's interest
0: that makes sense it certainly isn't uh, is not the the basic trend certainly with uh, your typical telemarketer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they're not very good. I'm really not very good at this. And what do we do to telemarketers? Because they're not good at it. We hang up on them. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. Or or even in mass mailings, I mean most of our most of it goes into the trash without ever a second glance there.
1: So you know that's a, that's an interesting thing though. There's actually uh there was a recent study. Uh, shoot. I, I don't have I don't have it in my in the tip of my head. You just triggered in my in my mind about response rates on various things and direct mail is actually very high. And and here's the way I like to have people rethink about direct mail. And and I think multi-channel marketing and online ads and doing it all is, is your best bet. But on direct mail, I think a lot of people misunderstand that, Oh, it just gets thrown in the trash can. Let's just dissect that for a second, right? I got to go to the mailbox. I've got to get that piece of mail out. I've got to sort through that mail and decide what's going into the trash can versus what's not. Then I have to take it and carry it to the trash can. Think about the response, especially on a postcard, that you've the impression, I mean, that you've made on that person in just that on the way to the trash can versus the impression of a typical online ad that scrolls by and you barely see. It's a much, much better impression, even if they throw it away.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely you're going to be in contact with it much more so than than an email marketing campaign.
1: It just goes to a spam folder or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, oftentimes it just goes to spam and they never even see it. But even if it gets to their mailbox, it's, uh, you know, it's a click away from the trash. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What is the, uh, you said that it's one of the best rates of returns on that. Do you know what that typically is?
1: Yeah. So, well, you know, so response rates are an interesting thing. And I don't know that there's really great data on that, but just kind of in order, let me see if I can find this really quickly. So it was the uh, Association of National Advertisers did a, a breakdown and direct mail to a targeted list was number one, followed by SMS, followed by email. Paid search, then social media, then digital display ads in that order Mm -hmm. uh, of effectiveness. Yeah. So direct mail still works.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense there. So I can see where you're going to have a much better response rate by focusing this on providing information and providing empathy for them in some way, shape or form why is this important to investors oftentimes investors are going to go be going through brokers why do they need a marketing campaign
1: so i think you know there's there's kind of two ways to be an investor, right? You can buy retail and, you know, look for properties through a broker on the MLS, LoopNet net on the commercial side, etc. I wanted to buy, um, I wanted to add multifamily to my mix uh, a while back. And I started out, I would go all over the place looking for stuff. Now I want stuff close, right? Like I want to be able to go visit my, my, my investments. I want to be able to drive by and see that they're doing okay. Just my personal preference, different people have different preferences. So, there was not a single multifamily property on the market in my general area. So I used public records. I identified every multifamily uh, property in the target market that I, that I had in mind and contacted every single owner and ended up buying one of the properties, you know, didn't the, the seller didn't have to pay commissions. The seller didn't have to do, you know, as much stuff on that end. And I I'm, quite certain I got a much better price than had they had had listed it. So, yeah, I think, you know, if you just want to, if you're an investor and you just want to buy retail product, right. Marketing's not at least at at this stage for acquisition, marketing's not going to be an important part of your thing. You may still need marketing down the road to fill that product up, you know, find tenants Mm -hmm. and all the rest, but for acquisition side, it's probably not important for all of the investors that we deal with right? They're trying to buy off market. Mm -hmm. And when you go to buy off market, public records gives you every single property that meets your criteria. It's really easy to build that list. It's really easy to build that list and then add distress, then add Mm -hmm. whatever, right? So uh, you'd be surprised the number of multifamily, I'm just going to pick on multifamily here, that's still owned by individuals. Some of those individuals are getting older, You know, so one of the things that we did is we married public records property data with demographics data like age. So, you know, we have a list, we call it tired landlords, (laughs) Uh, maybe not the best uh, name, but you know, you can pick your age, 70, 80, whatever, and you can find those multifamily, single family, commercial, et cetera, properties that are owned by these folks that are probably looking to divest, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the coming years of those properties. That's a better list than all of them, you know, more likely to get a response. You can also bang that up against foreclosures, delinquent taxes, vacant. Like there's a lot of, there's just a lot of signal Mm -hmm. um, in public records data that you can use to narrow down and find the right product.
0: Well, you said you contacted the multifamily. Uh, What means did you use to contact them? Direct mail, uh, phone calls? What were you doing?
1: Yeah, in this case you know, I'm in a small market. I'm in North Lake Tahoe. Um, it's a pretty small market, so there weren't that many. So I dug in, found the owner for each, and uh, we either myself or my assistant called, uh, called each owner and uh, you know, talked to them about what was going on and what they thought. And not only that, the other amazing part of that was I learned so much about the multifamily market in my area. Right? I know I have at least some relationship with, with most of those owners. A couple of the owners I've become friends with and have conversations with on a regular basis. Like I am so much more knowledgeable about multifamily through that effort than had I just called a, a broker. Nothing wrong with calling brokers. We, we love brokers and brokers use us to find to reach out to those same people to find listings, right? So, you know, cuz every listing starts as an off-market property and how to broker's market for that same way. So, we have a lot of those as customers and we hope many of you still call them because and support them because obviously that that's good for us too.
0: Right, yeah. How is it that uh, large investors can use this to scale and uh, increase their portfolios?
1: Yeah, you know, for anybody acquiring properties off market it used to be like folks would focus on a list the pre-foreclosure list the vacant list um the absentee owner list and i think we're seeing you know kind of two things happen with larger players entering the market you know and in, in the single family home world that might be a you know an amherst and invitation homes or a sunday who's even out there you know talking to these folks and then reselling them. So there's a lot of players out there. And the big trends we see more individualized or more highly targeted. So rather than absentee owners, break absentee owners up by age, by equity, um, by other forms of distress, and have specific messaging to those groups, right? The uh, burr bros, as we call it, the guys that are in the buy, rent, rehab, whatever, rehab, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat Um, business, right, are very different than that 80-year-old that's had his rental for 20 years. So having different messaging to those folks, I think, is really important. The other big shift that we're seeing is when I had that magazine in Hawaii, I read the direct mail handbook, and it talked about you needed at least three impressions Right, to get somebody's attention. Well, there's now data that says you need more like 30 impressions. Mm, wow. To get somebody's attention. Mm. And it's really hard, you know, sending 30 pieces of direct mail to somebody is a lot of direct mail. Yes, and yeah,
0: that's that's an enormous cost.
1: Enormous cost. So what works better is you can do custom audiences for online ads. So only the people that you're targeting see your ad you can do the email, you can do voicemail drop, sms, direct mail, right? So if you put all of those things together, right? Then maybe you're you're going to make a phone call. But maybe you drop you have some online ads going, right? Just to start getting your brand impressions and then you follow that up with a, a piece of direct mail. And then you follow that up maybe with a phone call. And then later on, maybe some ongoing text messages, right? You can build those impressions much more cost-effectively. So the competition for off-market properties is definitely heating up, especially with the lack of inventory. So those are the two trends we see for the folks who want to scale, right? They need more highly targeted lists and they need to automate those multiple channels so that they can, you know, better execute on that without, you know, overwhelming themselves. Right. And that's where you need tools.
0: So what kind of tools do you recommend?
1: So obviously building the audience, uh, that's what the business we're in. There's others that do that as well, but you know, a public records tool, ideally one that has a lot of these different uh, lists one that can append phone numbers and email addresses so you can do the multi-channel marketing, one that can not where you just have to purchase the list one time, but that keeps that list up to date so you can continually market to it. Those are some of the criteria I'd look for when looking at a vendor for building that audience. And then on, on the, the marketing tools, right? You can kind of pick your, your direct mail house. Um, there's dialer tools like uh, Mojo. Um, there's a, uh, voicemail drop tools like uh, Sly Broadcast, you know, obviously Facebook and Google are going to be the big ones on online advertising. So, and then on email, I actually like a little tool called Gmass, which uses your Gmail account to send, Um, because if you're going to do cold email, you can't really use a tool like MailChimp that requires people to opt in and hear your buying emails and sending out cold emails. And you need to do that carefully, very slowly. Otherwise, you'll get go to the spam box, which is no good.
0: Well, um, very good there. Lots of good information, Sean. I'm sure you could uh, share a lot more with us. But time is a factor. So how do we get in touch with you? And what is it you have to offer?
1: Yeah, so our company is Property Radar. Propertyradar.com. Um, we still have foreclosure radar for folks who are only inter- interested in foreclosures. It's a subset of our, our larger service, Property Radar, also at foreclosureradar.com. And we're on, and I'm on, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all the normal places. So happy to connect with anybody there. And I can be reached by email at Sean at Property Radar. .com personally.
0: So as property radar, uh, does that include multifamily, uh, self-storage, mobile home parks? Yeah, um, we have
1: every property in the U.S. All so the whole
0: we, U.S., okay.
1: Yeah, so you could kind of think of it, for the folks on the commercial side, I'd say to think of it as like a, a poor man's coast to Art or a reonomy. In some ways, we have a lot more data and some more interesting data that those services don't have. Mm-hmm. Um The two big pieces for the commercial folks that we don't have, but we're a lot less expensive, is um, we don't try to tell you who the owner of the LLC is. Um, We have a great article on how you can do that yourself, and you can save hundreds of dollars a month if you're willing to do it yourself. And you'll actually get better results than you will with those other services. (coughs) Um, But we don't do that, and we don't have tenant uh, data um, like a co-star so those are the two big differences, but we're at least a third the cost on the commercial side.
0: Well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for being with us today. I uh, appreciate the information you have shared with us, very valuable information. And viewers and listeners, thanks for being with us today. we we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments.